Okay, that's uh, uh, we had uh, unit three, session three, or session four rather. Uh, moving along, this our last unit before we get into another exciting book. These are Very great. exciting. These are great studies. I yeah. really enjoyed them. The next one is going to be quite interesting and exciting. So we're looking forward to that one. Do you know what it is? Can <laughs> <laughs> you tell us? Well, uh, it's going to be dealing with um, Satan, uh, demons, the paranormal. Uh, uh, so it's going to be the, one of those issues that a lot of people are curious about. Uh, that we're going to be dealing with. And then the other part of it, uh, the next unit is going to be dealing with character and uh, highlighting some of the persons in scripture whose character stood out. And so that's going to be another interesting one. You know, the big thing today, and it's always been character. You know, what kind of character we have. Could you tell me about what date you think we're going to start Satan? Um, the next one? Well, if we continue to meet every day, we have two, we have unit five and six, so the third week, three weeks from now, we'll be starting, which week is that? Uh, which, which, which lesson is that in the book? Uh, it's the first, it's the first, the dark side is our next book. Right. Um, September 3rd it says here. Yeah. Uh, That's what it says, September 3rd. Okay, Satan would be the first one we do then. Yeah. That will probably be three weeks from now because we're in unit four now. Yeah. Next week will be five, and then the following week will be six. So the week after that, then we'll be doing. Yeah. Anybody know? Do you have a calendar with you? Do you know? Anybody get a calendar? My neighbor to come. As well. oh, okay. <laughs> um, today's the twenty-ninth. So it'll be uh, November fifth. Okay. Is the first, first. Sunday. Okay. Second, um, it'll probably be the twelfth to nineteenth. Probably nineteenth. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so we are in Unit 4 of Broken Vessels. The first question we have is, what's your favorite comfort food? What's your favorite? That's 105. Page 105. What's your favorite? Go ahead. Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream. Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream. Okay. Haagen-Dazs coffee. Okay. Wow. They say Haagen-Dazs is the best ice cream in the world. I love it. Okay. I know it's the most expensive. Anybody else? Favorite comfort food? There's so many, eh? So many choices, eh? Chocolate cake. Chocolate cake? Fruits. Fruits, okay. All right, I think a lot of people very, very like chocolate. Yeah, I can't think of anybody that I know that doesn't like chocolate. I know, that's what people say, no. Yeah? Yeah. I was like, you don't like chocolate? No. How could you not like chocolate? Unbelievable. Like something's wrong somewhere. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life on page 106. Someone can read it. After a hard day, we know certain things will help us relax. A hot bath, soft music, ice cream, 
some things just bring us comfort. I used to be a poor source of comfort. When someone faced sickness or death, I'd offer sympathy because that's what you're supposed to do. I might even offer a prayer, but seldom would I visit a person or attend a funeral. What good would it do for me to be there? I would have nothing to offer. I'd be more illusive than help. Then my knees died. I happened, it happened suddenly and without warning, and something changed inside me. Now, when I hear someone is sick, I pray with them instead of both for them. I pray to help in any way I can. Even if that means just sitting with them in the hospital or or funeral home. I have learned just what the comfort my present can be to others. The Apostle Paul also highlights the comforting rule we can play in the lives of others. We can make a difference. That's better than any comfort food. Okay, we can make a difference better than any comfort food. So what's the point of our lesson today? I can be a channel of God's comfort to others. Okay, and doesn't matter who you are, we are all, we all can be a channel of comfort. Uh, God's comfort flowing through us into the lives of others. And that's what we are called to be, as we will see as we go into some of these passages of Scripture. Okay, let's look at the first one. Uh, but first, let me give uh, a, a setting here on... Uh, Paul's writing. Paul wrote 2 Corinthians from Macedonia in about AD 56. He wrote to the church in Corinth in response to false teachers who had infiltrated the church. In the process of promoting themselves, these false teachers had sought to discredit Paul in the eyes of the Corinthian believers and questioned his position as an apostle. In writing 2 Corinthians, Paul sought to both defend his apostleship as well as expose the accusers as false teachers. So that gives us an idea of the backdrop that we're looking at when we read uh, this, uh, these passages of Scripture. Okay, let's have someone read the first one. Uh, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Okay, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. All comfort. So when we look at verse 2, we know that since Paul usually wrote to people from Jewish as well as Gentile backgrounds, it was common for him to include the dual greeting or the double greeting of grace and peace in his letters as he does here. Grace was a variation on the typical Gentile greeting, while peace was a typical Jewish greeting. Both words together represent all it means to have a relationship with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace offers the undeserved kindness and forgiveness we receive from God that saves us from our sins and allows us to become part of God's unique family. But the word also refers to the ongoing strength that enables us to live for Christ. The Hebrew word for peace 
referred to wholeness and prosperity, especially in a spiritual sense. In the New Testament, the greatest peace is peace with God. You can't have no greater peace than that. What we experience in Christ, when as a result of his grace, we are no longer enemies of God. That's the kind of peace he's talking about. This peace is a result of both Christ's work of salvation on our behalf and the presence of the Holy Spirit uh, in us, as uh, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7 highlights. Uh, Philippians 4, 7 says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And also John 14, 27, uh, Jesus' own words. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. That's uh, John 14, 27. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. So when we have God's peace, which is different from the world's peace, True peace is not found in what some people may call positive thinking or the absence of conflict or in good times. It comes from knowing that God is sovereign, that God is in control. We can have peace because no matter how much hell is breaking loose all around us, we know and we believe deeper than our hearts that God is sovereign. He's in control. God's not going to let anything happen to us that he does not permit or that he can't control. Okay, so God is in control. Our citizenship is in Christ's kingdom. And it's sure our destiny is set and we can have victory over sin. And so the challenge is that we are to let God's peace, God's peace guard our hearts and our minds. Okay, let's uh, look at the paragraphs there beneath that verse. For our Father, we will practice of beginning his letter with a greeting, but he used two words that made this greeting unique, grace and peace. Don't you like the sound of those words? Amen. We all need the grace that comes through the saving death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God transform us and open our eyes so we can see his grace over our lives. May we experience his grace, may we experience his grace as it covers all our sin, all our hurt, and all our scars. Then may God fill us with his peace, and may we experience that peace in the full, fullest sense of the word. Peace in our heart, minds, hearts, and relationships. Peace at work and at home, and peace with our past, present, and future. God's grace is an amazing gift. We neither deserve nor fully comprehend. When we experience pain and loss, God shows his grace and mercy upon us. He redeems us and restores us in his timing and through his grace. What's fascinating is that his grace is multi-forfeited. God's grace not only restores our hearts, 
It also brings us comfort. As Paul wrote, God is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is the source of our comfort. How does God, how does God bring his comfort to us? One way is through his word. Remember your word to your servant. You have given me hope through it. This is my comfort in my affliction. Your promise has given me life. As we'll see in the next portion of 2 Corinthians 1. However, God has another way he brings his comfort to others. One that may not seem so comforting at first glance. Okay. So we look at a, a couple of main points uh, we see there. Uh, the first one is Paul followed the, the Greco-Roman practice beginning his letter with a greeting, but he used two words that made his greeting unique, and that is grace and peace. And then the second point is, we all need the grace that comes through the saving death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need that, definitely. And then thirdly, God's grace is an amazing gift. We neither deserve nor fully comprehend. When we experience pain and loss, God showers his grace and mercy upon us. He redeems us and restores us in his timing and through his grace. Interesting points to keep in mind there. Question number two. How does God comfort us in our troubles? Through his word. Through his word. Okay, many times we're going through difficulties and challenges and we reach out to the Word of God to find comfort. Many people find comfort in Psalm 23. Others find comfort in Psalm 37. Okay, and there are many other passages that are, that are unique to other individuals. Uh, or we find comfort through another believer coming and sharing God's Word with us. And so... Hmm? 91. And 91, okay. Of course, there are many others. I, I think he really does. He, his uh, people, believers, are the extension of his heart mm-hmm. in his arms to us, practically and emotionally. You know, they mm-hmm. when it talks about presence of people at the first, mm-hmm. you know, where Bible meets life, we read that. It's very true that um, words aren't necessary a lot often, but. Presence is ministering, just the presence of you showing that you care enough to take time out to just be just, there. Just to be there. And you see that a lot sometimes when a person I would love when pass away, people would just show up and just be there. You just sit with them. They don't necessarily have to say anything, but just the presence being there. But notice the final paragraph there on page 107. As we'll see in the next portion of 2 Corinthians 1, however, God has another way. He brings us comfort to others. One way that may not seem so comforting at first glance. Okay, so let's look at that next portion of scripture. Just before we go there, Brother Randy, I'm going to have two deaths, two 
Um, it was by my son, Anuradha. Mm-hmm. And um, my devotion was born. I was reading in the meditation. Mm-hmm. I couldn't make any sense of it. Close the Bible. I said, oh, Lord, show me something. And I opened it up. And it opens up to Psalm 9. Okay. And I couldn't find anything in there so comforting. Then Psalm 9. And then I, when I read it, it refers me to somewhere in Samuel. Oh, first Samuel where David's son died, David's child died. Uh-huh. And it says there, when David started to eat and stuff like that, mm-hmm. it says there, he said, he can't come back to me, but I can go to him. Yeah, yeah. That was comforting. <laughs> it's amazing how the scriptures provide comfort. Okay, let's look at our next passage. Second Corinthians one four to five. He comforts us in all our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. Through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Okay, let's look at the paragraph there now. Jesus never promises people they would be immune from trouble. In fact, he promised the opposite. You will have suffering in this world. Not many people like to hear that. According to John 16, 33. Thankfully, that's not all Jesus said. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight, And then peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I, don't, I do not give, you, give it to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And that's John fourteen twenty seven. Suffering and hardship may be our current reality, but so is God's presence. He will be with us in whatever, and you can underline that word, whatever, whatever we're facing. When we go through affliction and hardship, not if, but when, God promises that he will comfort us. He comforts us in all our affliction, and you can you can underline all, because some people believe that God only comforts them in some of their afflictions, but the Bible makes it clear He comforts us in all, even if it doesn't feel that way. It's possible to sense and experience real comfort apart from God and His grace. It's impossible to sense and experience real comfort apart from God and His grace. True, the world wants you to feel the kind of comfort that comes from trusting in yourself, your riches, status, and possessions. The problem with this sort of comfort is that whenever that you're never satisfied because you can never get enough. And if all your possessions disappear, all your comfort is gone too. God comforts us because He loves and cares for us deeply, but it doesn't stop there. God comforts us so that we may be able to comfort those 
who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Now that enables us to be able to say to an individual, child, I know what you're going through. Because God comforted you uh, as you went through it, and so you could you are, you have you have the experiential position to be able to comfort others with the comfort that you receive from God. In other words, God's in other words, God comforts us so that we can comfort others. While God definitely supplies a sense of inner comfort and peace through His Holy Spirit. God also loves to comfort his children through his church, the body of Christ. Such comfort can come through the encouragement of a pastor, as he shares from God's word, or the prayers and support of friends in a Bible study group. It's encouraging to know others are lifting you up in prayer, even more so when you hear them cry out to God on your behalf. What a gift to know that in this world of turmoil and trouble, we walk together with the people of God. As broken vessels and followers of Christ, we are connected to him who suffered and died for us. His body was broken for us. We are also connected to Christ as the one who was resurrected and therefore brings us joy and comfort. Paul made this connection in verse 5. But just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Since we have, since you have comfort in Christ, you can and should be a comfort to others, a broken vessel bringing comfort to other broken vessels. So God doesn't allow us to be broken in vain, does he? No, he allows us to be broken so that we can be a blessing to others as broken vessels. You know, Brother Rex, uh, even in sharing your testimony, people would always share, you know, the good, you know, sometimes you have some down. People want to hear the down because they might be in that same state and it would encourage them. Exactly. But very seldom people would, you know, mm -hmm. share your testimony. Mm -hmm. Because you can't really encourage anybody who hasn't been through anything. Exactly. That's because what people are looking for. Yes, no testimony, yeah. really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't understand anything. If you, if you haven't been through it, no, you can't understand. Because a friend of mine, she told me that her daughter had gotten killed in a car accident. And the priests came to her and said, you know, I know what you're going through. She slapped him because she said, how could he possibly know? Because mm. he's the priest, he don't have no child. To know well, she should ask him, did you have a daughter die in an accident? Yeah, yeah so she just, you mm. know, because she was like, well, you don't know anything about it. But, I, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the right thing to do. But, you know, somebody who, who had been through that situation could understand yeah. better. Yeah, you have to have the shoes on Yeah, mm. I understand. Yeah. And that's why it's not necessarily good to say anything if you don't know what to yeah, say. Yeah, you, don't know. you know, but your presence alone is comforting. But I think it's nice to sit with the person. I really got that from the first part of this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll call or whatever. Yeah. But maybe drop by and you know see if they mm -hmm. could sit with them for a few minutes, even if you don't say anything while you. But you say that if you be. No, I'm saying, but just to sit with them and. 
like how yeah. um, Job's friends did. Yeah. Job's friends yeah. came and just sat with him. You know what I mean? Even though they didn't have nothing to say at all, yeah. they did say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the key is just being present. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the question number three then is what are some of the ways you prefer to come with others? Like just go and sit with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's. I think that's a more common one uh, to just be present and sit I, with I, them. I really appreciated it when um, a lot of people brought. Um, well, no, God sent just the right amount. People brought food to our family when my mother went to be with the Lord, and that was a real practical help. It was mm-hmm. comforting. It was very sweet. We felt very loved that they would mm-hmm. think and prepare or buy things for us. Yeah. And here at Calvary, whole ministry came out of that. Yeah. That's a ministry. You know, whenever a person goes home to be the Lord, uh, the people in the family get calls. Uh, so I know sometimes my wife gets a call and, uh, and goes and, and takes something prepared. Okay, question number four. Uh, when have you had the privilege of comforting someone? And you could think of an experience that you had that stand out. The most awkward time for me was when uh, a family in our church, long ago, before we had children, um, their 16-year-old was killed outright in a carload of kids. Mm. He was the only one killed and hurt, and the rest of them were all right. And he was 16, and you know, I felt devastated, but I realized I had no basis. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I haven't been in her shoes, not even close. Mm-hmm. And just being with her was enough. And um, that was enough. My words would, would be pretty hollow, I think. Mm-hmm. And then our friends, little girl died in her sleep. She was just five. Wow. They lived two houses from us. And that, again, you know, what can you say but... We just spent time with them, and at the funeral home, you know, Rob and I had been there for quite a while, and we said, you know, maybe, maybe we'll go. And you know, the daddy of the family said, well, can you just, can you just stay? Sure, you know, Mm -hmm. just staying. That's all. They just want just to be there. Certain people to be there. Yeah. Yeah, So just in your presence. Those always will stick Mm -hmm. out to me. Okay. As we conclude with verses 6 to 7, we'll see again that it's often possible for us to use our difficulties as a tool for comforting others. So let's look at the final uh, uh, few verses, uh, 2 Corinthians 1, 6 and 7. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patience, endurance of the same suffering that we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will share in the comfort. Okay, continue reading those verses beneath. Um, Our human compassion binds us to one another not in pity or patronizingly. 
Uh, but as human beings, we have we have learned how to turn our own common suffering into hope for the future. Nelson Mandela, who certainly knew about suffering, spoke these powerful words. He suffered and persevered over these racial segregation and oppression of apartheid in South Africa. Mandela was a key leader in the 50-year struggle for equal human rights. Mandela spent 27 years in prison for his fight against apartheid, but he knew the importance of forgiveness. As I walked out of the door towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in prison. Mm. He knew firsthand that the suffering he had endured would ultimately be used to help others turn the corner and experience hope for the future. God wants us to do the same with you. God wants to do the same with you. He wants to use the challenges you, you face and the difficulties you've endured in your past to comfort others. What problems have you faced in your life? Though, through, through what hardships have you struggled? What has broken you? God is able to use these experiences as a vessel of comfort and help others who are facing similar difficulties. Both suffering and comfort are shared experiences for all believers in Christ. As Paul wrote in verse 7, and our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the comfort. If someone in the church family is suffering with the pain of cancer, it affects the whole body. In the same way as, as that individual is comforted when the cancer goes into remission, the whole church body is also comforted and they all rejoice together. Only when we learn how to share in one another's suffering can we truly grasp what it means to share in one, one another's joy. As a church, we don't need to hide our pain. We don't need to pretend that we always, we've always got our act together. Such pretense doesn't help anyone, least of all ourselves. Of course we suffer, but we also find comfort in Christ and we give and receive the comfort comfort through Christ's people who have endured similar struggles. This is both the privilege and responsibility of living as members in good standing of God's incredible kingdom. Okay, very good. So we see that uh, nothing is done in vain. God permits everything to happen for a purpose. Question is, how can these verses influence the way you serve one another? If somebody's going through something, you try to help them along because you, mm-hmm. you know, let them know that they're not the only ones and, you know, people, everyone goes through stuff, but I'm here mm-hmm. for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The word says, we are, if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. Okay, so... The verses help us to realize that we're not in isolation when we suffer. And that it's for a purpose. Right? Okay, what's the point again? <laughs> I can be a channel of God's comfort to others. That's right. Each one of us, I personally, can be a channel 
of God's comfort to others. Just reflect on how God comforted you and use that in order to comfort others. Okay, let's look at um, how we can uh, flesh this out. I encourage you to do that activity uh, there as well. We're not going to deal with that today because of time. Uh, there's a statement by John Wesley. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Yes. Okay, and I'm sure we've heard that before, right? But that's a powerful statement. Okay, God wants to use you to share his comfort with others. Consider three these suggestions for moving in that direction uh, this week. Memorize James 1, 2-4. Pray this passage the next time you experience suffering and affliction. So let's make a note of that. And then pray. Pray for the persecuted church in the world. Ask God to protect his bride, the church. Ask him to sustain her and strengthen her. Ask God to show you how you can share in the sufferings of the persecuted so that you can also share in their comfort. And then thirdly, stay in touch. Next time a friend, family member, neighbor, co-worker, or loved one is sick or hurting, call them. Begin to pray with those who are struggling. Instead of just praying for them, listen to them and love them. Amen? Finally, the comfort of Christ and the comfort of others are better than any comfort food. Even better than ice cream. Will you take advantage of this amazing gift? That's our challenge. Tremendous challenge, isn't it? Yes, it is.